Keys with it, man! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his bitchy nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. I might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. Let's run out. Let's run out. Let's come on, Sam. Yeah, no, he's going. Sometimes. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook BBL podcast, the first of our pre-season episodes heading into BBL 12, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Guys, girls, a uh, little disclaimer, I was, I was having a swim in a beach in Sydney earlier in the week and I'd been enjoying my, my little off-season break between the footy season and sort of the start of the cricket pre-season a little bit too much and then... Swimming along, who, who pops up in front of me other than Trent Bolt and Tim Southey, two of the finest cricketers in the game. Trent Bolt, I don't know if I'm fanboy too much, but I love the bloke. Anyway, I thought it was a bit of a sign to say, mate, get back onto the podcast. Let's start talking cricket. Get excited. So here we are. Here to talk through it with me is the one and only, the Supercoach Spy. Spy, mate, how have you handled uh, the month off? Pretty relaxing, thanks, boys. Just been a bit of a regroup after... We know how, how good footy season is. Footy finals were awesome, but now it's all about cricket season. So um, I've, I guess spring carnival's finished. So I've probably backed every winner this side of Melbourne and Rose Hill and Randwick. So I might as well go into the <laughs> cricket and see what we can do. Um, except the Melbourne Cup. That's the only one I missed out on. But um, yeah, I've had a good month. I enjoy the spring carnival. A uh, little bit of a break from the footy season. World Cup's on though. So still, still plenty of sport, which keeps a man happy. And, uh, and the sun's back out. So bring it on, boys. That's what I say. And we, uh, we promise we won't talk too much well, at footy at all during this cricket podcast. It is a cricket podcast, but Spy, the NRL Draw for 2023 came out today. There was 51 buys on it. I reckon you're about the only super coach in the world happy about that one. Uh, some little birdies are actually saying you've already done your buy planning for 2023. There's a little bit of talk around the traps. Maybe it's coming from my PR department, but maybe I'm just going <laughs> to go rogue next year and not plan a thing. Time will tell. Come back in February, we'll find out. And Spy, 480th last season in Big Bash Supercoach. A very, very respectable finish, but, mate, I know how high you uh, you have your standards, and you'll be looking to go a little bit higher this season, uh, despite being, to, to the average Supercoach, uh, a very, very good year. Yeah, it was not a bad year last year. I actually got into 200th heading into last week, uh, the last round. I had a bit of a crack at trying to get that coveted top 100 mark, so I've, I've jumped back a bit. Uh, a few pods didn't pay off, but, you know, that's the price you pay for having a bit of a crack sometimes. But, yeah, I'd love to finish top 100, and obviously I'd finish to, love to finish top one as well, but we'll see how the, see how the season pans out and, and see if I can knock off Maxi Boy, who we'll get to shortly. Maxi Brighton, it is the former Sydney Sixers media manager, Cricket Australia commentator, the bloke dead that knows more about cricket and BBL in particular than just about anyone I know. He was top 1,000 last year, an absolute gun, and an even better bloke, Maxi Brighton. How are you? G'day, Tim. Jeez, what an intro. I should uh, come back on the podcast more often. We should do this every <laughs> week, I reckon. Excited mate. to be here. And, mate, how is... Uh, you're obviously not part of the footy content. You do love your footy, though. How have you enjoyed the spell uh, from, from last cricket season? And, and what have you been up to? Back and winners like the Spy or not? Oh, look, I don't think I've backed as many. And I was just going to say, Spy, if that's all you've been doing, mate, I don't know why you need the 25 grand from winning Supercoach, mate. You give, give the rest <laughs> of us a chance. <laughs> you, can have, you can have the cash for a win it. And that's, don't write that down, anyone, because that's a lie. But I'll show you a few beers, mate. Love that. It's not like we're recording or anything. So, yeah, cheers, <laughs> cheers for that. But no, man, it's been good. It's been a great off season. Uh, loved my NRL Supercoach season. A real, uh, let's call it a development year. Uh, missed out on, uh, on a figurative top eight, finished about 3,200th, but it's plenty right. of lessons, plenty of fun. And, you know, much like my Tigers, we, we couldn't sort of finish too high. But, uh, mate, had, had plenty of fun and, of course, loved all the content on the website and the pods. Beautiful, mate. Good to have you back for another season. We've got a bumper list of contributors on deck at SC Playbook. Once again, jump on to scplaybook.com.au for all of our pre-season content we've launched there. We'll be doing squad breakdowns for every side in the competition, player-by-player analysis of just about everyone, or not everyone, every top 11 player and then some in the competition. So go and have a look on today's show. We'll talk about what's in store for BBL 12 with SC Playable. A few exciting announcements to come. Uh, we'll be going through our first of the squads for the preseason, starting with the Melbourne Stars and Sydney Sixers. 
going through fixture analysis early on, have a bit of a look at the draw, who to target, who to avoid, the buys, the double game weeks, how we plan on approaching that. Maxi, I know I've, I've actually haven't briefed him on this one, but he had an article later on last season about a bit of a word of a warning on double game week players, which we'll have a chat to him about there. Uh, guys, just firstly, our social channels this season uh, I've decided to break up the SC Public NRL and BBL channel. So they're all on the, the same social page on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram over the last couple of seasons. But for any NRL fans who don't want the big bash and vice versa, I thought it made sense to break them up. Very annoying in one sense because it means that the, the, uh, the yarns aren't going out to as many people, of course. So uh, if you do us a massive favor and jump onto, if you do have Insta, Twitter, and Facebook, any of those, jump on and give SC Playbook BBL a follow. That would be greatly appreciated. Guys, if you are keen on getting stacks of extra content this season, you can also subscribe to our BBL package for just $30 for the entire season. If you want our entire package, our full SC playbook package for the next 12 months, covering the NRL, AFL, Big Bash, that's $50 for a bunch of content. Gives you access to additional premium articles every single round, not week, every round. Access to our WhatsApp subscriber groups. One of them is an all-subscriber group where the contributors jump in there, chat with the subscribers, answer questions. I do a Q&A every single week on that for half an hour on hour or so and answer the questions. Uh, and the other one is just the SC Playbook contributors. The contributors in that one, you get a bit of an insight into what we're thinking each week, our trades, our moves, our skippers, all sorts of things. Only the, sub- the sub- subscribers, I should say, uh, can view that. Plenty of else going around with that. Access to our major subscriber prize in the Unlimited group. Um, Stacks on there. The support does help us to continually upgrade the site, the podcast. Adding things like the data center, I'll get to that very shortly, has been a big investment going forward. Uh, So jump in, head to the subscribe tab in our menu and check it out. Boys, let's get to the important stuff. And it is the fixture analysis for the season. Now, Spide, it's obviously come out. We've got the draw up. Uh, who do you like early on? What do we need to be aware of? Yeah, boys, I just had a, a good look at this last night. I actually think it's a really good season because there's a few breaks between the buys this year at different stages, which means one thing that we didn't often get to do last year and maybe in previous years, and that you might get a chance to pick a few pods just from ga- guys that don't have the double game week, whereas often you find yourself just chasing those double rounds there might be two a week, so you're trying to stack up on them and you might like someone from another side, but it doesn't sort of make sense to put them in at a price. Whereas this year, there's going to be a bit of opportunity, not necessarily in round one, but as the rounds go on, you'll find yourself with a trade to spare here and there. It's going to be nice just to have a crack at some pods and some guys you really want to bring in rather than just targeting the double, double game week fellas. Um, and saying that, round one starts pretty hot and heavy, so we've got <clears throat> the... Adelaide Strikers, Melbourne Stars, and Sydney Thunder all on the double, which is perfect. You've got unlimited trades. You're just probably just going to stack those up for round one. Maybe put a Perth guy or two on the bench because they've got the double in round two. Uh, but either way, you can the Melbourne Stars have the buy after that first round, so you can just flip three Stars to three Perth guys if you need to. Um, you then move forward to round three and you flip your three Thunder guys out because they've got the buy and Brisbane have the double. So it's going to be nice and easy to use those trades. But what you'll find after that is there's then a couple of weeks where there's no double game weeks, which is awesome. Like that's just going to be so much more enjoyable just to have a crack at some certain things. Um, you can sort of prepare for those double game weeks coming up in two weeks' time, but you don't have to go hot and heavy and you might be able to pull in a guy who's maybe showing you to form or someone you want to jump on. Um, after that, you will find that the Sydney Sixers and the Melbourne Renegades have the double. That's in round five, actually. So you've got a couple of weeks to prepare for that. And after that, there's another couple of single single game weeks. So to me, boys, that's really exciting. Um, you can get your side set up for round one pretty easily, and then you can roll forward without having to overplan too much and just have a crack at some guys that you really like that could be in that sort of pod territory. Uh, what do we think? Yeah, very good, Spy. Good little overview of that one. 13 rounds in the season. Kicks off, I think, December 13. Finishes uh, about December 23rd or 25th, the, the last. Uh, so January 23rd or 25th, the last Supercoach round is. We'll have podcast just about every single round of the Supercoach season. Might double up a couple there over Christmas and New Year. Uh, a little bit on the plate at that time and get a little bit lazy. Um, Maxie, what are your, what's your early take on the, the fixture analysis? 
Yeah, I think it's it's going to be much simpler doing it uh, this season as it was last year with all of those uh, COVID outs and the changing of games. It was absolutely chaos if you remember it. But I think what I really like about this draw is just as uh, Spy was saying, there's a couple of single game rounds and I reckon that you can almost really chunk up the draw as a whole into a few sections. Um, looking at round four, for example, it's only single game week. So you can look at that as almost a moving week and then um, having survived all the doubles in round ones, two, and three, you can sort of set your team up for the rest of the season. Look, the only other thing I really call out is um, of all the teams that we've got, the eight clubs, the Melbourne Renegades are the only side that don't have a buy. So if you're looking for um, a club and a particular player that you can get as just a bit of a set and forget person that you'll never have to worry about them having a buy, um, then that's where you should go looking. Um, and the other sneaky thing that I really like about their draw um, is that. The Perth Scorchers, um, you know, we know that they're going to be one of the best teams as well. They've got the buy in round one, but then they don't have the buy again until round 13. So they're going to be a really uh, fun side to own and you'll get plenty of value. And the Sydney Sixers as well, they've got two double game weeks before their first buy. Uh, the first one's not until round five, but you can potentially go early and just keep one or two of them in your squad if you've got room. Um, and I think that you know that's a that's a, going to be a pretty decent strategy this year given that those uh, both of those clubs, Perth and Sydney as well, we'd expect to be right off the tippy top. Yep, love it, Maxie boy. Uh, great little breakdown there, fellas. We'll be touching on that all through the entire preseason. Uh, the, the the podcast prior to the first round kicking off, we'll, we'll certainly come back to it. We've given a bit of a rough idea there. As we said, starting off in round on the double, three sides, the Strikers, the Stars, the Thunder, target around those. The Perth Scorchers have the double in round two, along with the Sydney Thunder, who have the the double-double. Um, so just be aware of those sorts of things. And as I said, we'll get back to that again later. I forgot to say the rest of the SC Playbook team for the season. We've got Tomo Aitken on again this season. The, I think he might have been the Supercoach Big Bash champion in 2019. We've got Fishback on, who finished 22nd last year. Just an absolute all-round gun, uh, Supercoach gun. He's good at rugby, NRL Supercoach, Big Bash Supercoach. In saying that, Tomo also, Tomo won NBL Bloody fancy as well. A couple of years. Might be in the same year one Big Bash weapon. And then Charlie Dads, who looked after the SC Playbook AFL content this year, also a weapon. There's a few weapons and guns around, but that's what we like to attract at SC Playbook. So uh, they'll be all jumping on throughout the preseason and through the, the season as well. Guys, the SC Playbook Stat HQ, for anyone familiar with our NRL content, put a lot of time, big investment into getting that going on our website Heaps and heaps of data, a one-stop shop for everything you need, tools such as price change calculators, vice captaincy loophole uh, calculators, projected scores, true player ownership data, that data where, you know, three, four, five rounds into the comp, you want, it might say that one player is 40% owned, but we know he's been injured and won't play for the rest of the tournament, so it's a little bit misleading. We break it down into how many of the top 100, 1,000, top 10,000 actually own that player. Really good, accurate data. We've, we're bringing the Big Bash Data Center uh, on deck for this season. Just nutting out a few little things to, before we launch it, but the next couple of weeks, Max, with a bit of luck. Uh, the web fella who does all of the hard work for SC Playbook, he's an absolute gun. He's got that looking schmick, so can't wait to get that to you. Um, really, really excited. Cricket specifically, it'll be Supercoach Big Bash specific stats. So we know ESPN Cricket Infos and all these great cricket websites have all the data you need. We'll be looking into specific cricket stuff such as how often last season players reached 20 plus runs, their break-evens, as I said, their projected scores, all these sorts of stuff. Uh, and the best thing about it, we can continue it and get it better and better as we go. A couple of little other things, guys. The Unlimited Group take on the SC Playbook contributors to be in to running for some gun prizes. Our unlimited group code, 557991. Major prize for subscribers is a food and drinks package for two to a game of choice in 2023-24, plus a supporter's jersey of choice. The minor prize for you don't have to be a subscriber, same thing, minus the jersey. Food and drinks package, two people, game of choice next season. Uh, also, our WhatsApp group, if you're currently an SC Playbook subscriber, we thought either the, the big backpack, Oh, sorry, the BBL package or the full package, which is including the upcoming season, flick us an email at supercoachplaybook at gmail.com. That's supercoach, all one word, with your mobile number and the email you subscribe to so that we can check that it's an active subscription and we'll get that launched and get you into those groups so we can start talking Big Bash together. Guys, squad breakdown, Sydney Sixers, let's get stuck into it. Maxie, you know that franchise inside out, having worked with them. Uh, I think we're all living in Sydney, the boys, at the moment. 
going through the side. These will update as we go throughout the season. But, Max, you've done the hard yards on your predicted 11s. We'll have a yarn on that coming out soon. But you have opening up Philippi and Patterson at three, Vince. Moby Enriquez at four, Jordan Silk, Dan Christian, Hayden Kerr, real interesting one heading into the year, Sean Abbott, the Supercoach star, Ben Dwarshus, Chris Jordan, and Steve O'Keefe. Others on the roster, the likes of Todd Murphy, Jackson Bird, Jack Edwards, Dan Hughes, Nathan Lyon, and Naveed. Uh, Maxie, I will start with you, mate, and we'll go to the top of the order. Josh Philippi, let's just start with Josh Philippi because he's such a... The word enigma is going to get thrown around a little bit throughout this preseason, but he can go big, he can go small. He starts at 168k, averaged 58 last season. Any interest for you? Look, I think um, he is a guy that you can't really go wrong with given how consistently he scores runs, particularly the last couple of seasons. But for me, I'm going to look elsewhere just knowing the Sixers don't have a double game week until round five. But, geez, what a player. He's definitely in form. He's been scoring runs in the one-day cup. He's been scoring runs in the shield. Um, and I think he's going to really enjoy batting with who I expect to be his new opening partner this year as well in Curtis Patterson. Now, KP's a great story. He started his career, um, few will remember, at the Sydney Sixers before having about four or five seasons at the Sydney Thunder. He was basically uh, an irrelevant supercoach player, but one of several cheapies last year. He was started at 62.5k and he made it up to about 130, 140k just off the back of some super aggression opening the batting for the Perth Scorchers. He's moved back to Sydney this year basically because he's had a child. He's become a father for the first time and he wants to be home for Christmas, which I think is amazing. Um, certainly something I'm looking forward to as well personally next year. Yes, um, <laughs> but I think um, he and KP are going to form a really nice partnership at the top of the order there. A little right-hand, left-hand combination. And I think when you look across the board at the Sixers squad, there's one word to describe it and settled. Um, in terms of the changes overall from last year, it's really only Chris Jordan, who's played about four or five games for the last season, who'll be there for most of the season this year. He'll, he'll step into um, one of the fast bowling seats. Um, but the rest of the team, it really, really picks itself, I reckon. Every single season, the Sixers, they are the most balanced roster. It must be an absolute luxury for them. And I suppose a credit to the franchise for their roster management. Spy Philippi, BBL 11 last season, averaged 33 runs at a strike rate of 143. Started the year, I don't know if you boys remember, it's a while ago now, with three Supercoach tons. He got up to like 280k or something absurd. And there was the big decision, stick with him or cash out. And he went on after that, followed up by six consecutive Supercoach scores under 50. It was a real pivotal point of the season. Uh, recent form <clears throat> at the time of recording, of course. Uh, recent T20 for the WA11, he hit eight prior to that. Scores of six and 17 for Essex in the Vitality Blast over in the UK. A lot of our form res references will be throughout the preseason from the Vitality Blast in the UK and the 100 tournament. A lot of, uh, obviously, short-form players heading over there. Marsh Cup form uh, this season, scores of 81. And then Sheffield Shield, 5, 24, 10, 37 not out and a ton. So the form is their spy. Any love for you for Josh Philippi? bit scattered there, Joshy boy. Um, for me, I'll start by saying I'm not going to start with any sixes but I'm going to have a red-hot eye on anyone that I look to bring in from probably around three onwards. So I do have a really, really good draw after that. So it's a good opportunity to have a look at the guys you want to swoop on. Maybe you can pick someone up at a little bit of a discount potentially if they have an early failure or two. Um, Philip is the kind of guy, he's really enjoyable to own and he's very scary not to own because I've done both. Uh, I've had a little bit of a success anti-potting him in the past. Um, but he's the kind of old guy that can really hurt you as well. So it's one of those things, just depends if you're a gambling man or a gambling woman, you can sort of leave him out at your peril, and it could pay off. But if he comes out and hits a ton and takes two catches and stumps a bloke, you sit there head in hand saying, why did I bother doing that? So probably depends. Once the sixes get to their double, it probably depends how you're going. If you're going really well, then I think you consolidate and get him in at that stage. If you haven't started that well, maybe you take a flyer on not putting him in. So... Early form will be interesting, and yeah, a couple of lower scores might be good to pick him up a bit cheaper, but you yeah, won't be starting with him. Maxie, in your prediction, predicted sides at the moment, you've got Patterson opening, James Vince coming in at number three at $99,000. Averaged a measly 26 last season, 149 runs at just 18.6. Uh, we know what he's capable of. He was the story at the end of BBL 10 when he crunched those big, big scores for Supercoach scores of 145 and 133. Now, I was going through his form in the 100 tournament over in the UK. 
and saw 136 runs at 22, which was inflated by a knock of 71 not outgoing. Pretty grim, you know, probably no early double or bypass. Dug a little bit deeper in the Vitality Blast this year, 678 runs at 48.42, striking at 146. Had a top score of 129 not out there. Also had a last start, 98 for Hampshire in the county championships, longer form. Uh, any love for Vince at a, at a pretty bargain rate? Oh, I think absolutely. You can you can definitely go a lot worse than um, than picking James Vince in your squad. And I think particularly when it comes to the volatility that we know batters have within the Super Coach game, if you're looking at you know the the a price for a guy like Glenn Maxwell, for example, in a single game week as a comparison, there's every chance that either of them could could score zero and and have the same Super Coach score. Yet one costs almost a hundred thousand more in in this game. So um, for a player of his caliber. Um, we know what he can do. He's definitely unders. Um, so if you're looking for a cheeky little guy, even for a bench loop, um, he, he's, a, he's a really good player and the type of guy who can get on a roll with his form and, and load up back-to-back scores, much like we saw last year from guys like Alex Hales as well. So certainly a big watch on him. Yeah, good call. Probably one for a yeah, maybe little bench loop. I don't mind that at all. Uh, Spy, James Vince. Mate, at that price, um, again, I probably wouldn't start with him, but if you've got that money on your bench, you could just slip him in there and see what happens, then just hold on to him throughout. He's he's reasonably reliable. Last year he was, yeah, not quite at his best, but he's more than capable. I think I owned him the year before and he went off and he went off late. So just like like Maxie said, there's plenty of guys that can uh, that can be up and down because they're batsmen, that's how it goes. But um, I don't mind Vincey. I probably won't start with him, but I can understand why. Uh, if you might want to put him in early and just hold him through the doubles at that price. Um, just quickly before you go on to the next bar, I'm hoping to ban all talk of Alex Hales, Maxie. Uh, <laughs> uh, everyone's suddenly going to jump on him after years of, of me being his true fan. So uh, <laughs> I've actually just snuck a little bet on him to score well tonight in the, the 2020 semis. We'll see how we go. Uh, but yeah, carry on, boys. Oh, what a bloody exciting player to watch, Alex Hales. Uh, Murray Enriquez down at 4149k off a 51-point average last season. A uh, little bit of form lately, a few Marsh Cup outings without passing 50. Had a 99 not out in his last Sheffield Shield clash. Maxi, not for me, batting at number four, but geez, we've seen him as recently as last year. The class is there, the Supercoach scoring can be there. Any interest in Murray Enriquez? Yeah, look, he was um, one of my favourites last year after I uh, opted for him against Chris Lynn in round one. Um, And, you know, I think he scored about 150 or 200 different uh, points more than Lynn did um, and, you know, made 60K, whereas Lynn sort of went the other way. So certainly a guy who is uh, owns a place of, of, of my heart, but I don't think at the moment with his age and with his role that he's worth the price that you're getting for him. Um, the other thing with Moses, he takes a lot of catches as well. So he gets a lot of points through his fielding because he's always in uh, good spots inside the ring, just picking up those balls that go straight up the chimney. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think for me, I'll be, I'll be probably giving him a miss at the moment. But another guy who, if he finds form as well, um, you can keep an eye on. Back to you again, Maxie. Dan Christian, uh, super coach enigma. You can get sick of me saying that. I've written it in two, three squad breakdowns. I've written that word for about 12 different players, but that is the nature of super coach BBL uh, and cricket in general. Now, Christian, he'll start the season with his admirers because we know what he can do with the bat. We know what he can do with the ball. What we don't know is how big an opportunity he'll get with the bat, where he's going to bat in the order, particularly with the emergence of Hayden Kerr, uh, how frequently he will bowl, He's 142K, like he can punch out big tons, but he can also punch out bugger all. Last season, 264 runs at 20, striking at 126, 126.3, which is a bit down on his career, striking of 138. So I think we can expect higher than that this year with his later order cameos. Past 10 scores, all in the Vitality Blast. He had top scores of 56 not out, 33 and 30, all other under 14. So a few runs there without being anything terrific. I suppose the first question, Max, is how do you see Dan Christian fitting into this side this year? And we can tie in Hayden Kerr with that. Does Kerr start to take a bit of uh, maybe bat higher than Christian? Does he take a few of his overs? Uh, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's a, it's going to be a really interesting um, one to see how it plays out. Dan Christian, 39 years old, he's done everything in the game, but I know that he's just spent the World Cup um, coaching uh, I forget if he was helping out with the Netherlands or one of the other teams, but it certainly seems like a, a career path for him that he might be looking to transition in sooner rather than later. And that might mean that 
um, you know, at 39 years old, um, he'd be looking to get out of the way of a player who might be um, the next guy who's making Australian squads or uh, getting uh, getting in the getting the IPL, which is Hayden Kerr. I've got Kerr at the moment at, at seven, and I think the good thing with the Sixers lineup is that. They've got five really genuine, good frontline bowling options. Their, their bowling depth is unbelievable, um, and even just you know batting Chris Jordan down at number ten as well. That that depth is just so good that I think Christian's role is going to be quite limited with the ball. They'll only really be going to him in the event of Steve O'Keefe breaking down mid match or just a pitch which is just so conducive to his off pace bowling. But you know the, the the job that he can do is now being done by others. Um, and while he will definitely have scores because he's Dan Christian and we know what what he'll do, um, I just don't think that that role, batting six um, and only sort of one or two overs is really going to be enough for um, him to consistently score well this year. So I'd expect him to have a bit of a decline. Hmm. Spy, Dan Christian for you. Echo those thoughts. Um, maybe if there's an injury or something, his role changes, but this stage you wouldn't want wouldn't want to be plugging him in too early. I do have a question out of the blue for Maxi actually and because I haven't prepped you at all for this, we can edit it out if need be. But it's a bit of a gripe of mine against Mr. Enrique. Um last year we might have spoken about this, but I've I found it hard to get around the bike if I'm completely honest. I haven't met him just from just from TV, you know how it is when you watch Schwarzman. And Hayden Kerr, I think it was last year, might have been on a hat trick, maybe his first or second game. First game. finished and he never got yep. another over and it killed me. <laughs> or anything because I thought I thought it was a disgrace to be completely honest. If I'm going to be, but what happened? Do you have anything for me to, to defend to defend him there? Um, Moses is a guy who trusts his people, and I think that at that point in the season, um, it was Hayden Kerr's one of his first games and or even one of his first bowling opportunities after pre- starting his career at the Sixers as a bat. Um, yeah. And I don't think he'd quite earned Moses's trust, but I would say that by the end of that season, the fact that he was bowling death meant that he'd won over the trust of his skipper um, and his coach. Um, but look, I know, I know what you mean because the other guy that um, whose overs seem to suffer when Moses is at the helm is Dan Christian. Um, if you if you look even at BBL uh, ten, which was Christian's first season at the Sixers, uh, he was bowling significantly more when it was Dan Hughes who was leading the team while Moses was injured. So, just one of those things in this game. Um, we an, another thing to monitor when you throw in the grounds, the weather, the opposition, who's skippering, and um, what that sort of means on the roll. But um, Moses, if I could speak about him as a person, I couldn't speak highly enough about him. He's one of the all-time greats, and I would say that what he's done in cricket is almost going to pale in comparison to, I think, what he can do in life just with his general leadership and, and good nature. He's he's one of the greats. Well, that is a fair wrap. So I'm glad to hear he's a good fella. Um, I am going to hold on to that gripe as a skipper, though, because I know for a fact they're <laughs> winning that match easily. And to, not, to deny a young bloke a hat-trick chance really pissed me off. Carry on, boys. Spry. <laughs> The off-season, you've gone to nads, mate, looking to call people out for lewd, beh- questionable behaviour, I should say. Where's this come from? I like it. I've got my morals, and um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've held on to that arm for a while, so I'm glad it's out of the system. We get positive again, lads. <laughs> <laughs> on to that man, Hayden Kerr, who really, really intrigues me coming into this season. What a revelation he was last year with a good opportunity. As you said, Max, I think he earned the trust of just about every everyone in the Sixers franchise, everyone in the BBL, and everyone certainly in Supercoach. Supercoach average of 54 means he starts the season at 157K. 17 games last year, 152 runs at 38, striking at 144 down the order. With the ball, tournament's second top wicket take with 25 scalps at 15, solid economy of 7.5. In Vitality Blast this year, 13 games, took 15 wickets at 24, economy of 9.13. In that, very interestingly, the Vitality Bus, his last three games of the tournament, he batted down the order. Those last three games, he got promoted to number three for scores of 17, 24, and 29. Maxi, I don't know if I've got the kahunas to start with him because probably of the price, coming off a big season, some unpredictability over the role, but he's a guy that by end of season we could be talking about as like a potential lock uh, a lock in your supercoach side. Like I can see it happening. What, what do you think? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think any time that um, you know, I'm uh, struggling um, to uh, – hang on. Let me rephrase because I was going to say something really graphic there. <laughs> <laughs> Good save. We can cut that a bit, right? Um, all right. 
look, Hayden Kerr, I think that you've only got to look back to see those highlights of his uh, innings in the semi-final where he single-handedly uh, took a completely hamstrung Sydney Sixers outfit who had the first ever retired uh, out batter in Big Bash history when Jordan Silk limped to the crease and then limped off with the final ball. Um, he He's an incredible batter. He's definitely capable of batting in the top six, and it's an absolutely huge watch because the one gap that the Sixers are trying to fill in the batting order at the moment is at the top of the order. Um, mm. And it's it's tough. You know, that they've recruited well in getting KP across. He's probably going to mean that a guy like Dan Hughes, who's captained the clubs on probably 20 or more occasions, is not going to be in the best 11. Jeez. But there's still, there's absolutely a chance that Hayden Kerr could, could bat in the top six um, or even open. He was listed at five to bat for New South Wales in Marsh Cup. Uh, in this past week's competition as well. And I'll tell you what, if he does get that role, then he'll absolutely be in my team because um, the one thing that you could say about the Sixers, Quicks, uh, Abbott and Dorshus is that they're not necessarily noted death over specialists. Chris Jordan will play that role for them, um, but Hayden Kerr will likely be the other given the form that he sure. showed with his Yorkers and his off-speed last year. So he could be right on that conversation for like a Dan Sams in terms of the best role in Supercoach if he gets that key. <sighs> Spy, all pretty appealing chat around Hayden Kerr. As you said, seems like a legend as well, which always helps when you're picking your super great side. Uh, mate, is he someone you'd be willing to, to start the season with? I suppose, A, if, he, if he's batting at that six or seven spot, um, I suppose if, like, if he opened, were to open the bat, you'd nearly have to get him. Um, how do you say it? Yeah, huge watch on that order. Um, I have a lot of man love for Kerr, so hope he gets his chance. Uh, I think if he was opening round one, I'd probably put him in. Otherwise, there's a huge likelihood that I'll bring him into my side early for my probably my first sixer, uh, pending on that role. It actually leads me to my second gripe, as chance would have. <laughs> While we're on it, and it's why in T20 cricket, you've got a bloke of his talent, Daniel Sams as well, and they're so talented down the bottom of the order or lower order, lower middle order. Um, they don't get a lot of chance to bat. They might get 10 balls late in the inning sometimes or not at all. Just open with them. They're that good. We saw what he did in a big match. Was that last year or the year before? He scored 98 or something. And you get a free shot. It's a free shot. It's a 20-over game of cricket, not a test match. Put him up the top. Let him go. If he scores 70 to 100, you probably win the game for sure. If he gets out, you've got 10 other batsmen and you've got your whole top order to go. So just do it, guys. Just I don't know what the fear is around that, but get into it. I think people are overthinking it there. Just make it happen. And hopefully he does. It'll be good to watch. And he'll be straight in my side if so. Yeah, I'm with you, Spy. I've, I've thought the exact same for a long time. We've spoken about it off, off mic before and... Honestly, when you've got blokes with this this strike power, get them in there and get like as you said, they can win you a game off their own bat. Uh, and alternatively, in that same game, if they don't open, it could be, you know, batting at seven for ten balls. So anyway, huge watch on Hayden Kerr, and I'm also with if he opens, I reckon I'll gamble with him early um, because I do think not being on the double end at the price, I don't think he'll be very high ownership. I may be wrong, but. Uh, where I see the upside there, if he's batting, you know, he's what we predict in sort of six or seven, uh, I'll be avoiding and just a very close monitor early on. Maxi, Sean Abbott, super coach, superstar, averaged 71 last year. In the seasons prior, averages of 54, 85, 67, and 80. <clears throat> His recent form, what have we got? Recent one days for Australia, none for 11 and two for 31. The India, and then he had a two-for-one against New Zealand. I think that was sort of mid-year. Not 62 for New South Wales in the recent Shield outing. We know he's handy with the Willow. In this year's the 100 tournament, he took six games, six wickets in five games at 24. Last year, 19 wickets at 19.89. Economy of 8.18. Maxi, obviously the big price, 205K starting on the single game. Do you pay up for the the big dog, one of the big dogs of Supercoach? Uh, and I suppose you touched on it earlier, but does he lose a few of his overs at the death there? Maybe to Hayden Kerr, where he has, may impact his role. How do you see it? Look, I don't care what time of the match Sean Abbott's bowling. He's taking wickets regardless. He's just that good. And I think the thing is, is that you can absolutely pay up for him and just be a guy that you set and forget in your squad all year. And I think by comparison... His, his cost, $205,000, is the fourth most in the game. Ben McDermott's 211000 for example. Um, but Sean Abbott just comes with that base with his uh, bowling rate economy. He's, he's always in the game taking catches and taking wickets. So, yeah, he's, he's an incredible player and absolutely one that you can start in your team. Um, I've certainly played around with having uh, 
versions of him in my team, and mostly just because I was so disappointed not to own him until the final round last mm. year. He was unfortunately there was all those um, a lot of conversation at the start of last season with the Sixers on the double that he was going to miss games because he was uh, his wife was going to give birth. Um, there was rain around as well for Sydney in the first week, and no one ended up picking the bloke, and he scored a ton. Uh, he scored like 110 or something in the first game of the double and missed the second game because of the birth of his child, but still outscored almost every single Brisbane Heat player that people have brought in. Um, cool. So, look, he's a superstar, one that you can put in your team with confidence. But um, if you don't own him to start the season, you definitely need to own him for the double game week. I know we're a long way out, about five more weeks till it kicks off, Maxi. But as it stands, do you see him being in your team round one? Very good question. Let me just <laughs> open it up and see if I fit him in. Uh, and you know what? He was the last guy I traded out, and I put in a certain uh, opening batsman and off-spin bowler from the Adelaide Strikers in his place. Um, but I'm not absolutely comfortable mm. and settled with that decision um, to go for Matt Short over him. But you know, he could he could find his way back just because I do love the man so much. Yeah, uh, Spy. What about yourself? Can you see Sean Abbott in your side round one? Maxi, I appreciate the man love there because I do love a bit of that myself. But I've got to tell you, mate, if Matt Short's on the double round one batting and bowling, he gets four cracks at scoring, you got to take him over Abbott, mate. Then get Abbott in round two or three. That's my plan. Um, and there's probably going to be some competition for another gun in that early stages, but I'm with you on Abbott. I think he's outstanding. I did captain him for about a 25 at one stage last year. Probably his only poor score in about a half a decade. Uh, <laughs> That hasn't scared me off because he's just so good. As I say, he's just a wicket taker. He can score runs as well. So big fan in those early rounds. Maybe pounce on him before others do, um, pending what the rest of the landscape's looking like. I think it's a good point, Spy, as well, because if you get on him, there's every chance that he's going to be a pod. And it doesn't matter if if he's not... Uh, scoring above his average if he loses a little bit of cash or not that's just fine set and forget he'll get your 60s every other week and um, yeah could be a could be a really good strategy boys we'll wrap up the sixes uh, with a few quick bowlers here a little little overview Ben Dwarf just 160k one of the more consistent super coaches playing uh, the game averages of 50, over 50 his last three seasons over 47 in his last five seasons form coming in uh, again time of the recording not uh, not terrific but we know that he will deliver when he gets to the big bash. Chris Jordan, 125K, which I think, I could be wrong here, but based on his 28 average last season, I feel like they've bumped that price up because of his international status. I think because he played last year, I think he should be like everyone else and priced on that personally, which should be uh, cheaper. Anyway, they've gone with that. Anyway, it was only five games, so, you know, maybe. Um, back in BBL 10, he did average 52.8. We know the class is there. Uh, and then lastly, Steve O'Keefe at 167K. Maxi, any interest in any of those three for you? Look, all three are class players. Um, the one that's probably got the most interest in me is Chris Jordan, just because of the role. Um, 125K for a death ball is very good value, particularly when we know that the teams that take the most wickets in Supercoach are going to be the highest scoring teams. Um, and look, he isn't the world's greatest death bowler, um, but he's very class, and that's why he was a first-round pick in the draft this year. So he's certainly one to keep an eye on, um, and I know that a lot of people will start with him, particularly if he has a good semi-final tonight for England in the T20 World Cup. Spy, anything to add? Not a lot, boys. Just just monitoring all of those fellas in the early rounds, and uh, probably one of them will come in for the double game week when we do get there. Beautiful. Guys, Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW are back, back on deck for the Big Bash season. Uh, they supported us the entire footy season, proud sponsors of sh- the show. Very grateful for what they've done for us this season and continuing into the Big Bash season. We've had wonderful feedback from everyone that has linked up with the fellas via the SC Playbook podcast. They cover just about everything you need to know from how to begin your journey into the housing market, finding a better home loan rate, refinancing, to let yourself fork out for a new bowling machine. Dead set, if I had enough pennies to buy a house, I wouldn't have a clue where to start. Uh, that is as honest as I can be. Blokes like Pat and George, they know it inside and out, how you can get it done. They'll steer you in the right direction on the right path. So, also, it cost you, won't cost you a dime because you listen to this podcast. So, if you do want to get in contact with them, drop the special code SC Playbook for a free numbers consult. You can contact them by Instagram at Pat and George Mortgage Choice, all one word, or flick them, give them a call on 02-9521-1611. No matter where you are in Australia, they'll steer you in the right direction. Maxie, before we get on to the Melbourne Stars and the double game week, uh, being on the double game week, you wrote 
an interesting article in the back end of last season, basically touching on the fact that don't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to double game week teams. Now, round one this year, we know there's three teams on the double, so you can space it out a little bit. But there will be a lot of weeks where there's only one team on the double or even two. Uh, and you just need to be a little bit cautious. Why is that? Yeah, look, this was something I started tracking uh, in about round two or three last year, and it ended up being really, really valuable information. It was, what is the average score that teams were scoring? How many super coach points were they scoring? And how many points were they conceding? And off the back of that, you could see a bit of a pattern emerging whereby um, a good score from a team uh, uh, in a double game week was over 800 points. Um, and you know some of the clubs that were really struggling and had two big losses, they were scoring significantly below... 700 points and um, what we sort of found was that teams on a single game week like the Perth Scorchers or the Sydney Sixers if they had a big win they would almost be scoring 550 600 points which was almost as much as an entire squad was scoring in Mm. a bad double game week so I think what that meant was that um, if you talk about the the risks obviously in um, having two break evens um, there is such thing as a bad double game week and an example of that would be a club who might be coming up against two gun sides like the Perth Scorchers or the Sydney Sixers Um, If they're going to have two big losses, then you don't naturally get that benefit that you would from having two big wins. So I think particularly when you've got teams and you've got multiple teams on the double game week, it's really, really important not to just fall in love with the double and and have a look at the draw and just sort of have a think about what their chances are of actually scoring big points. Um, As an example, if you have a look at the Adelaide Strikers, their first game is against the Sydney Sixers, who are a good club, uh, and the Sydney Thunder, who... Um, were an excellent club last year, definitely top three. They could be again this year if they get their bowling stocks right. So that straight away doesn't make the Adelaide Strikers super appealing. Like you wouldn't want to overinvest uh, in that double compared to potentially the Sydney Thunder, who were taking on the Melbourne Stars and the Adelaide Strikers, two teams who were in the bottom half of the competition last year, and they might have more luck there. So um, just all it is, is is just a bit of a cautionary tale because I know that I felt this wrath firsthand last year. Um, make sure that you're not falling too in love with a double. You're having a look at those teams as well. And this will be something that we'll track throughout the season as well after each round, um, sharing those scores with our subscribers in the WhatsApp group, um, so get in there, make sure you're getting the good oil, and it'll hopefully set you up for good planning as the tournament progresses. Jeez, you're a dead set natural, Maxi boy, made for this game. <laughs> uh, on to the Melbourne Stars, who do start, I should have said earlier as well, the Sydney Sixers, the double on, in round five, the double in round eight, and then the bye in round nine. Melbourne Stars, start with the double in round one, followed up by the bye. So don't overcompensate on them. I said, not great last year. As a result of that, though, there's a lot of, Really good value purchases at the stars. Uh, going through the one to eleven at the at this stage, it's very much subject to change. Marcus Stoinis and Joey Clark at the top of the order. Nick Larkin at three. Glenn Maxwell four. We have seen him bat at three uh, times as well. Hilton Cartwright five. Bo Webster, Nathan Coulter-Nile, Luke Wood, Pommy Import, Adam Zampa, Brody Couch, and my boy Trent. Oh, geez, I want him, but 180K with some of the buys on offer. Oh, I can't wait to get to chat about him. Uh, Max, I'll start with you, mate. And look, I don't think we need to talk about Stoinis for too long. I really hope you're against this, but I don't think you will be. $83,000, an absolute dud of last season's BBL, averages 28.8 points. Prior to that, though, BBL 10, average 52, BBL 9, 65, BBL 8, 97 from 13 games. Most recently for Australia, this is when I wrote my article about a week ago, so this might have changed a little bit, but 35 against Ireland, 59 not out off 18 balls in a match-winning knock against Sri Lanka. How can we forget that? Max, you've got to have him, don't you? Yeah, look, if, if you don't have him, just delete your team. Don't even bother. Don't even bother signing up. I think at his price, he's just a must-have. Mm. Um, it's, it's fantastic to see that he's bowling as well. That just adds so many more scoring opportunities for him, particularly because they lack death bowlers, and that's something that he can do. Um, the, the only watch on Stoinis is a, a little bit of a whisper going around that he might instead be batting in that number four role for the Melbourne Stars and switch with uh, Glenn Maxwell. But look, even if that's the case, um, I think he's too good and too cheap for for you to for miss out, especially with a double game week. Yeah, you're really risking falling behind early if you don't get him and he goes nuts. Uh, spy, lock and load on the big Stoin. Yeah, for sure. And the beauty of $80,000 or wherever he's at is... You don't even have to trade him out for their buy in round two. Just put him straight to the bench and hold on to him. Mm. Uh, if you don't pick him, you're just going to be picking someone else around that money. 
that probably doesn't have a double and may not have the upside. So you got to be straight in. That's just a smart play, isn't it? And um, you can't take too many Uber risks all the time. And this just isn't one that's worth taking, in my opinion. Spy, his opening partner, Joey Clark, is a fascinating one at 153 thousand dollars bbl average last year uh of bbl supercoach average last year i should say of 53 last year 419 runs 32.23 strike at 151 uh he'll take the gloves for them recent first class form for england solid without anything enormous 28 48 not out 13 1 20 and 67 struggled in a hundred tournament 102 runs at 12.75 vitality last 305 runs at 21.78 uh, at 151 strike rate. So nothing form-wise, not terrific, but the wicketkeeper position, very intriguing for round one, obviously with three keepers on the double. Uh, do you like Joe Clark? My notes say this from yesterday. Feeling a no, just three words. However, there's probably not that many possibly better options uh, for round one only because all I'm going to do with Joe Clark, if I pick him, is... Have him for that opening week double game uh, and then move him on for the buy in the round two. So unless I'm going to find better value elsewhere, with his upside, his form in Australia last year, he looked really comfortable with those faster pitches, then, yeah, I think I'll put him in despite my initial thoughts around his form. Uh, hope he takes some catches, scores uh, some decent runs in those first two games. And then I'm flipping him on anyway, Rick come around um, the next round. So, yeah, probably some plug and play for me. But there is a possibility to avoid him uh, given that recent form. Maxi, Joe Clark for you. Yes or no? Great batter. I think he scored five fifties or something in a row last year. It's like something incredible. So once he found his hands, um, he turned into Superman. But I think for that price, just knowing that we typically see a little bit of acclimatization required for these overseas mm. guys to come into the tournament, um, unless he's braining it in the uh, practice matches, I'll be going elsewhere for the wicketkeeper position. That's fair. Interesting thoughts. Uh, Maxi, Nick Larkin at three. Supercoach average last year of 14.8. Average 36 Supercoach points the season prior and 35 the year before that. So we know there's some ability there. Now, look, naturally, you'd probably go to a no straight away. And I I don't think he's locked into this number three position. But let's say he does bat at three. At 62K, he could be a bloke to free up a lot of cash elsewhere. Any interest at the price? I think you've got to look at everyone on a double. Um, and if he's batting in the top three for that price, then certainly um, he, he's, he's absolutely worth a look. The one thing on Larkin that's different this year is it's his first, could be his first year outside of the professional setup um, for first-class cricket. So he's no longer with the New South Wales Blues, meaning that um, he's back to playing for Sydney University. So uh, does that sort of suggest that he's getting... Um, you know, his, his best days are behind him, maybe. But it also could mean that he's had a lot more time to specialise in T20. So mm. another guy to monitor in the practice matches and see how he's going. But could, could be famous because, again, he's going to have such low ownership. Spy, could you see yourself with uh, Larkin in round one? Yeah, look, probably not. Um, I don't think he's the worst option if you need someone at that value, but I won't be starting with him. I did just also check my side and I did take Clark out. Uh, so at this stage, I'm not starting with him. Uh, it, it is worth noting, though, that you can pick him up just as a batsman with that batsman-keeper dual role in Supercoach. So so that's an option there as well. But um, probably a no for both those boys at this stage. Spy, Glenn Maxwell, the big show, 184K, averaged 63 last season. Years prior to that, 62.6, 64.6 and 60.8. He also bowled a fair bit last season, which has made him even more valuable. Scored 468 runs last year at 42.5, striking at 159, including a top score of 154 not out. I suppose the question is, could you find a way to antipod him early on? Well, I've just had a bit of a flashback. I think I figured out why I dropped places in the final round last year. I think I antipodded Maxi, and he scored 150, oh. <laughs> which is a lot more points than those 150 runs as well, I think. So... Um, that set me a tumbling, and that'll be a lesson learned. Obviously, you can have a bit of a free crack in the final round of the season, but round one, it's a big call to go without him because even if he wasn't batting, he still bowls well in that competition. Like, he can yeah. tie up some wickets, he gets catches, runouts, and if he scores a ton, again, it's your season could be over by the end of yeah. uh, the first couple of matches if you don't have him. It's a big call to go without. Maxi, could you antipod... Could you antipod your namesake, Maxwell? 
Look, I don't think I could. I don't think I've got the got the kahunas. Um, maybe you need to lend some to me, Spy, after your tee-offs um, this pod. But um, I, I think the, the only thing I would say on, on Maxi, particularly just around his bowling, is um, just trying to look at how much he's going to be required this year. Bringing in a guy like Trent Bolt and even Luke Wood um, alongside Adam Zampa, that's three of your, that's 12 overs of your game um, pretty much sorted. If Nathan Coulton-Isles fit, that's another 16. Um, Brody Couch again showed himself that he's got plenty of ability last year as well. So Maxi's often plugged a gap um, when they've had more inexperienced bowlers in their lineup, but uh, through those people they've picked up in the draft. I would say that his off-spin might not be rolled out that often because he doesn't love to bowl himself um, too often. I don't know, mate. I reckon I can. I reckon he's opening the bowling in that first over of game one. <laughs> <laughs> mate, if he is again, you'll get. Hopefully, you'll get enough time to bring him into your team if uh, if you've been brave enough to leave him out at that point. <laughs> Boys, Hilton Cartwright, Bo Webster with their roles. They'd be pretty hard to actually. No, Bo Webster. There's there's a case for him. He's a huge preseason watch for me. Actually, sixty two k. Look, I'm not that keen on him. As it stands, I'm keen to see how this will age come round one. She's been in unreal form with bat and ball for Tassie. 550 over Marsh Cup games since last season's BBL. Scores of 23, 65, 15 not out, 5 not out, and 26. Batting at number six. With the ball returns of 2 for 23, none for 14, none for 42, 1 for 19. Four Shield games since last year. Scores of 60, uh, sorry, 6, 46, 5, 14, and 166 not out, along with five wickets. Maxi, is there a chance that Bo Webster gets a, a decent sort of super coach role? I think he's, he's always kind of flirted with it the last couple of years as his bowling has picked up. Um, but look, uh, the big one I think for him might be a guy like Nathan Coulton-Isle. Um, if, if, if there's any kind of uh, injury or absence in that front, it might just open up a space for um, another all-rounder to kind of plug a couple of overs, which would be pretty amazing. So um, yeah, look, def- definitely a big watch. And again, another one for the practice games. Spy, Nathan Coulton-Isle, 103K, only, well, pretty ordinary last year by his standards at 35 average in Supercoach, that is, but we know he can bang him late. He's a such a top-line bowler, averaged 48 in BBL 10 and 60.9 the season prior. It's just hard to get him because he's getting older. He's 35 years old. He has had a lot of injuries, so even on the double game weeks, he's always a risk to be rested for the second game of it. Uh, can you bring yourself to go near Coulton Isle? I can definitely bring myself to go near him. He's, he's in my initial squad, but it'll just depend on those team lists come around one. I think they're the first game, so we'll see where he's batting, uh, suss out that bowling lineup. But yeah, I'd like to own him, to be honest, and sort of hope that if you do pick him, uh, given that it's early in the campaign, that he does play those opening couple of matches and the rest maybe come later. Um, so he's just a real... I'm not sure yet. I'm just on the fence for now, but at, at, as it stands, he's in my side at that price. I haven't gone too in-depth at this stage, so don't sort of take that as too much just yet. Yeah. Again, another another big watch on form and, I suppose, health more than anything for the preseason. Luke Wood, bat bowler, 105K, comes in from England. Uh, what have we got here? Arrived with two T20s for England, both recently against Pakistan. Had figures of three for 24, none for 49. Across his T20 career, 82 games. Has 74 wickets at an average of 27, economy of 8.36. Nine games in the 100 tournament this season, 10 wickets at 23, an economy of 8.25. He batted at number 10, so don't expect many runs for him, batting for the Trent Rockets. Vitality Blast, 14 wickets in 14 games at 27, economy of 8.4. One to monitor, but I think a pass for me. Boys, the last one will... No, not the last one, we've got two big ones to go. Adam Zampa, Maxi, 103k. BBL average last season in Supercoach of just 35.7. Very down for him because the seasons prior, 54.3, 64.3, and 49.3. Opening round double, I'm keen on him. Yeah, lock him in, I reckon. Um, you got to remember there was two big factors that hampered him last year. The first was his role. Uh, the Stars' bowling depth was so poor that he was bowling in the surge 
He was bowling in the power play. He was bowling at the death, and there was a mm. few games where he just got absolutely whacked, um, and it really just like took him away from what he's best at, which is middle overs, taking wickets, breaking partnerships, which is when he's averaged so well. The other thing was he was a guy, and a few of these Melbourne Stars boys really struggled within the bubble and the COVID bubble and, and just uh, the amount of lockdowns that they were forced. Um, he had time off away from the game. He went home at Christmas. Um, he was a guy who you know was came out and said that he the he wasn't really enjoying his cricket at the time. And I think mm. this year, definitely come back with some vigour. Um, I've heard some people saying that they're going to avoid him uh, to start the season because they just don't like what they're seeing. But I think that's absolute madness. And he was my f- basically first picked for me. Yeah, he's straight in for me as well. Spy, I remember, Matt, you sort of touched on it. But because this, the Stars were so ordinary and sort of underwhelming last season and how much of a strike bowler and wicket-taker Zampa is for them, sides were just seeing him off. A bit like what sides do to Rashid Khan. They're just like, you know what? We'll give him his economy rate, whatever. I don't, I don't know. I have his numbers in front of me in terms of what he finished economy-wise. But sides were just picking him off and I'm not worried about going big for him and just getting through his overs. But this year, hopefully a different story. Uh, is he in your side at this stage, Spy? I can tell you, boys, that he's already in my side. And after Max just gave that pearls of wisdom, he's even further <laughs> in my side. So, yeah, he's, he was basically straight for me anyway. So, hopefully that role in, uh, in cricket can improve for him this year and gets off to a bit of a flyer, eh? Boys, lucky last, Trent Bolt. By Christ, I love this bloke. I always have. I love his attitude to the game. I love seeing him snick Dale Stain through sl- third and fourth sleep in a test match for four, three balls in a row, and Stain about to lose his plot when Bolt just giggles back at him. Uh, I'm pretty sure I took him on the butt swimming in the uh, the, the uh, ocean pool the other day, so we've got a bit of a thing going on. I love Trent Bolt. 180K, though. It's a big price to pay, Maxi. Can you make a case for I mean, I'm sure you can make a case for him because of how good he is. Will he be in your side? Yeah, look, he's another guy who's sort of flip-flopped in and out of my team. Um, I just think um, that you can absolutely pick him. The, the double makes it so compelling. Um, 180K, he'll open the bowling, he'll swing it. He takes poles up front, just blowing people's pads off. It's just, it, it's it's really, really good. I guess the, 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 one, the only question mark on him is, does he have good death bowling skills? Because um, he doesn't often have to perform that role for New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They've got a couple of other guys that they throw the ball to in Jimmy Neesham, even a bit of Tim Southey, um, even Lockie Ferguson before him. So I think he will have to step up and try and dominate at this level. So um, it, it could be a plum role. But for me, between the likes of um, Sams, Maxwell, Khan, even Short, um, I am struggling to fit him in at the moment. But he's he's certainly on a very short list of candidates that I want on round one who I don't have at the moment. Yeah, I never let Hart get in the way of my head when it comes to super coaching. It's a rookie error, but gee, it's tough with Bolty. Spy, what about you? Before I give my opinion, have you? I know you love him based on that. Have you seen him in the six sixty video, the Kiwi bands film clip? Very cool. <laughs> He's a cool human. <laughs> I haven't, but I can imagine he bosses it. Look Niche. it up, lad. He's just—he's just a weapon. Um, so I don't know at this stage. Again, I think that's one of them big decisions I'll make closer to round one. And it'll all depend on the salary cap space, to be honest. Um, if I've got the money sort of sitting there, then yeah, I wouldn't mind plugging him in because he could obviously take wickets and, and take a bunch of them. So it's tempting. It's very, very tempting. But it's, it's going to be down to salary cap, boys. That's going to be the, the decider for me. Maxi? The final thing I'll just say on that is that knowing the draw and the Melbourne Stars move into the buy in round two, I'm finding it hard at the moment to pick more than three Melbourne Stars. And I've got Glenn, Marcus Stoinis, and Adam Zampa ahead of him for various reasons at the moment, mostly price, particularly with Zampa and uh, Stoinis. So that's just one reason why I'm struggling to sort of pick him in, uh, put him in. But again, it does also make a case for a, a, another guy from the Melbourne Renegades, um, when we do the team reveals, there's a few guys that I like from that squad at a good price that you can always put in if you're having trouble with your buys. Yeah, seriously, I'm going to go slightly opposite to that. I'm going to have four stars most likely because I look at Stoinis as a bit of a freebie at that price and then you can trade the three guys out if you need to heading into the, the next buy. Uh, but yeah, we'll see where we land on that one. 
Boys, uh, it's a good point there, Maxie. I'm, I have had, I'm glad you clarified that because that was my similar thought to riding. I thought oh, between Zampa, Maxwell, Stoin, hard to have all of them uh, with Trent Bolt. Boys, let's wrap that one up. I was going to keep it short for the first run of the preseason so far out, but as tends to happen, we get a little bit excited on this podcast getting into the, the cricket talk for the season. Uh, Maxie, as always, bloody good to have you back. Oh, mate, likewise. Love to be here. Hope the uh, listeners enjoy it. Um, really, really looking forward to the updates to the website this year, the contributor group. Um, it's going to be an awesome summer. I think just try to pick who you think is going to win this BBL tournament as well. I tell you what, it's going to be the closest one on record, I reckon. So I think we're in for an absolute beauty. Absolutely, we are, mate. And Spy, you know, you're first up off a spell, as big as ever. Cheers, boys. Yeah, actually, Freston, I thought, First up off a spell, I was a bit dusty heading into it. I've still got a lot of footy going through the head. World Cup's on, but I feel like I've clicked into a bit of cricket gear tonight. And um, you've already got me thinking about those sort of summer holiday beers on a Saturday Arvo or a Wednesday Arvo because it's holidays, watching BBL. So uh, watch out in the WhatsApp groups. Could be some entertaining times. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And don't forget, go and give SC Playbook BBL a like across our socials. Cheers.